This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 960 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Greetings, horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is an excerpt from the Horses in the Morning show. Dr. Fugaro joins co-hosts Glenn and Jamie for a chat about the transmission, symptoms, and treatment of equine protozoal miles... Well, it's a real tongue twister, twister of a disease that you and I know as EPM. We'll get right to our tip after this important message from Kentucky Performance Products. Hi, Glenn the Geek here from the Horse Radio Network, and I'm here with Karen from Kentucky Performance Products. We're going to talk about omega fatty acids and equine nutrition. Called Contribute, that is a fish, it's a combination of fish oil and flax oil, and it provides a complete complement of omega-3s. It has an 8 to 1 ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s, and it contains the plant and marine sources of omega-3s. Now, there's been in the past, there's been some palatability issues with fish oil. I don't know if you've ever smelled some of the fish oils that are... Mm -hmm. Lots of horses will run to the back of their stall and just stand there going, (laughs) oh my God, Mom, what did you put in my feed? (laughs) Some of the human pills are like that, too. (laughs) Yeah, you can really take... So we did a lot of research with our product, and we got a fish oil that um, uh, just on its own smelled pretty good, and then we've added some flavor, some cherry flavor to it that has made it very palatable. So we have very few horses turning it down. And like anything, you have to introduce it slowly and should introduce it slowly anyway to the horse. But we have very few horses that will turn it down. Well, that's uh, that, that's terrific. It's good to learn. I never knew about the ratio between the threes and the sixes. And, of course, you can find out more information on Kentucky Performance Products' new website. It has a terrific, a terrific article on this, and we'll link to that in our show notes as well as on our Facebook page. And Or you could just go to kppusa.com to find out more about omega fatty acids and the Contribute product. Just look under Products. Well, uh, we're going to be coming up to our first guest. We're starting, we got two health segments today, which uh, is normally Wednesday is health day, and we have had some Wednesdays off from, from the health thing, but we had, we had uh, a topical thing come up, and that's EPM. It's been, you know, J- Jamie and I read all the news stories that are going through the press that talk about horses and diseases and stuff, and EPM is becoming a hot topic again. So, uh, he uh, so Jamie, why don't you take the first one because you know a little bit more about this? I'll handle poop. You handle EPM. Well, you're you're a great guy, and we've got Dr. Michael Figaro who is on the line right now. Uh, Dr. Figaro is a professor of equine studies at Centenary, Centenary College in Hackettstown, New Jersey. I've not had enough coffee uh, coffee this morning, and also a visiting instructor at Rutgers in the animal science department. Good morning, Dr. Figaro. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Glenn. How are you guys? Oh, I, Good morning. I'm going to try to wake up a little bit more because this is actually it, you were, pretty you were close. It's, it's Centenary College. That's correct. 
I had it. It's just too many vowels. Um, <laughs> you have been practicing large animal medicine and doing surgery uh, for uh, quite a while, and you run a practice um, up in uh, New Jersey. And sure. you, EPM is something we're talking about again. Why? Yeah, I mean, it's a disease that's really never gone away, and it seems like, just like most diseases, that it's one that uh, adds more challenges to both the horse owner and the veterinarian alike, and probably the most difficult challenge with EPM is making a, a true and accurate diagnosis, and there's a lot of misconceptions out there about the disease, um, but, you know, what there, is there's it, also a lot of pain. Yeah, for those who don't know what EPM is, they're just hearing it for the first time, uh, what is it? Yeah, EPM is equine protozoal myelencephalitis, and it's it's probably one of the more commonly diagnosed neurologic diseases in horses, and yet the incidence of it is probably less than 1%. Um, so from that standpoint, it's rather rare, although if it's your horse that gets a neurologic disease, you always um, hate to be the one. Um, it's basically an infection that we see uh, from a protozoa, and there are two protozoa that we see in this disease, sarcosis neurona, um, and neospora, which is a, and there's a subset uh, of neospora that is. And this protozoa likes to live in a life cycle where it's basically between opossums, who is the definitive host, and cats and skunks, raccoons, armadillos, birds. They're the intermediate host. And it doesn't cause any disease in those animals, but this protozoa goes back and forth between these two species. And every now and again, as the opossum goes and defecates out on the pastures of the fields of the horse, uh, then ingest the feces and specifically the spore sites of that organism. Um, and when it goes from the GI tract of the horse, it then goes into the blood, crosses what we call the blood-brain barrier, and gets into the CNS, uh, specifically the brain and the spinal cord. Uh, and we see that, you know, the, the numbers, we can see horses have positive titers in their blood anywhere from 50 to 80% in terms of the number. So that shows that we have a lot of horses that get exposed to this disease. Not mm -hmm. every horse actually gets the disease, and the horse cannot spread the disease. The, head, the horse is considered a dead-end host. They can't send it to another horse. So the life cycle only goes between those kind of scavenging uh, animals that I, I mentioned before. So are places that are heavier in possums, much like... I don't know, Belmont Park, who's <laughs> just had <laughs> possums galloping along well, the California it, it, when Are you get into the When you get into the prevention of the disease, that is one of the things. We certainly see a higher incidence in those areas that are heavily populated, and you certainly increase your risk factors of being exposed in those. So absolutely, and, and there's all kinds of opossum control that people can do from the simple standpoint of, you know, keeping the cat food out of the uh, out of the barn so that the horse, so that the possum in the middle of the night don't go into it. I mean, we have it at the college as well that we are always dealing with uh, other animals trying to get into our, our feed bins and things like that, and as well as, you know, uh, kind of population control of, of those possums. So. Right, right. Now, the symptoms for EPM, you said it's neurologic, and, and I've seen videos of horses just minorly affected and or they are completely curved to the left, you know, it can be very dramatic. What are some 
symptoms that somebody that has just a, you know, just like a backyard horse would start to see if their horse had contracted EPM? Yeah, it's, it's really very variable. It depends on how much of the organism, how much damage occurs to the central nervous system. And it can be, the first thing that's kind of the hallmark clinical sign is we see that it affects one side of the animal more than another, what we call an asymmetrical. So they may have muscle loss or muscle atrophy on one side. But you can have the whole host of neurologic conditions from a horse that's down can't get up to maybe some mild incoordination or stumbling. Um, you can see other things, as you were describing, that would be cranial nerve where they may have a head tilt or an ear droop or even a facial paralysis. And it can happen relatively quickly. Um, some people can describe that they haven't seen it up until, um, you know, a few hours earlier on things. And then some of the more mild signs that we see and this is where you get into the gray zone with the horse population is lameness. Um, it's always difficult to determine, okay, is a lameness a primary musculoskeletal problem or is it maybe a secondary to this neurologic deficiency? Um, and so this is where probably maybe some of the misuse and abuse of medications for uh, EPM would come into play because people have a, a lame horse. They can't find a reason for why the horse is lame okay, well, maybe let's treat them for EPM and see if that makes a difference. And, and there's probably a rationale doing, for that to some degree. I'm sorry. Right. Well, even without doing a spinal tap, people just go ahead and treat them. I mean, right. To, so so then that gets to the next part of the, the, yeah. the diagnosis. How do we diagnose this? Um, and the first thing to say is that there isn't one clear-cut diagnostic tool to do. It's really a combination of several different things. There are clinical signs, the physical exam that, that uh, the veterinarian would perform. Um, then the other thing is there are several tests that we can do. There's blood tests, and then you can take, as you described, spinal fluid. And you can get spinal fluid from two locations in the horse. One of them can be done standing in the lumbosacral area, which is uh, backed by the the tail region, not quite the tail, but in that area of the pelvis region, um, that can be done. Or another way where it's up behind the pole of the horse, that you actually have to anesthetize the horse um, to obtain the fluid uh, from that bathes the spinal cord and, and the brain. And when you test the spinal fluid in combination with the blood, you get your most accurate diagnostic tests uh, to determine whether it is. There's obviously expense and there's, you know, potential, be it small, but complications of those uh, type tests as well. So some people may forego the diagnostics and say, well, I'm just going to treat the horse as well. Um, right. And, you know, we, we as veterinarians really try to encourage, you know, a full diagnostic if we can do that. But certainly in the horse world, money also can dictate some of that as well. Well, see, now the problem, and I think the reason we're talking about this right now is because there have been some horses that have been treated by compounded products, which are uh, made in labs or uh, compounding pharmacies, and they, they've had some adverse reactions and effects. Like horses have been dying on this compounded medication. Is that correct? That's correct. There, so there are three what we call FDA-approved drugs that are out there. Um, there's, and the one is a sulfadiazine pyrimethamine combination that's put out by a company called Animal Health or Rebalance is the name of the product. Um, there's diclazurol, which is protozil, which is put out by Intervet or Shearing Plow. And then there's Marquee, which is put out by Bayer, and uh, the actual compound of that is Panagerol. 
the comp, those have all gone through the FDA approval. They've done clinical trials. They've looked at toxic doses. Um, so if you're unaware of what it goes through to go FDA approval, it's quite stringent and rigorous and expensive for a company. Compound agencies are basically laboratories that make drugs that are not readily available, um, and they're used in the human uh, medical world quite more than you think, as well as in the veterinary market. And they don't come under as much scrutiny. They certainly have uh, various regulations that they have to follow. In the scenario that you're describing that happened recently, um, it was a combination of a couple of the different drugs that I mentioned there, but there is no commercially available combination EPM medication like that. And what happened was one of the pyrimethamine uh, combination that they used in this was a higher dose than they normally do, which mm -hmm. there are some veterinarians that are using the dose that they put that at, which is why it wasn't necessarily considered abnormal. But there were, I believe, and I only, I don't know specifics of these horses. I read it just like everybody else. But the clinical signs uh, varied from seizures to fever to death. I think it was a total of 10 horses. Two uh, horses uh, passed away, and the other six were um, were responding to. They developed neurologic deficiencies, um, and within the first 36 hours, receiving the compound. And this is not the first time compound agencies have you know made the media attention with it. And there there is a place right. for compound medications. Um, and you know this is where you need to speak with your veterinarian and make sure that you're aware and our and the veterinarians have to be aware of you know what the medications are out there and and what compound company they're using um, and how how much scrutiny they go under. Well, no, and I have heard of using and I, I my vet back in Georgia when I lived in Georgia would would prescribe compounded different things that mm -hmm. would be like joint help, but I don't mm -hmm. know if I would purchase compounded medication that would treat EPM. You know, like, you've got to be reasonable. Compounded butte is one thing. Compounded EPM medication, I would think that people would be a little smarter and that horse, uh, that veterinarians might not recommend this. I know it's uh, illegal to buy some compounded medication here in Arizona. Uh, they have to have the, the approval uh, from the FDA. Yeah. What is your take on it? Well, I mean, I certainly use some compound uh, products, and I, I try to only use compounded products that are commercially not available, which is what you're describing. If there is a commercially available product, we try to do that. Um, and so, and there, there is, you're correct, there are some legal ramifications of utilizing, a, using a product that is already commercially on the, on the market. Um, and you are using it as, as a compound company. But I think a lot of what dictates why an owner or even a, a physician may prescribe this probably comes down to cost. And many of the EPM medications um, are, are costly. Um, they can run a little higher than the actual diagnostic tests that are uh, occurring. So I think a, a lot of the reasons why people will do that is because uh, of cost. Now, on the flip side, there there are some very, very good compounded products that are out there that are very safe and effective, um, but just like any other laboratory and even the large companies sometimes get into preparation um, problems, and that's why it's really important that they have a good quality control of their products. Uh, of course, again, the compound companies have come under a lot of scrutiny even since the um, 
the polo ponies that occurred a few years ago with the uh, overdose of uh, selenium that was, right. it was <clears throat> compounded uh, at a higher concentration that was initially intended. Um, and that was a laboratory error, uh, from what I understand on that case, and it was an unfortunate scenario. But those errors can happen with the larger companies. It's less likely because they have a lot more checks and, and balances uh, for that regulation. But that also comes at a cost, and that cost will then translate into what the client is charged to the horse owner. So being the veterinarian uh, ex extraordinaire that you are, okay. you've got a client that has a horse. I know we've got to let you go. You've got to run. But uh, you have a client that is has a horse that is showing signs of EPM. What are you going to do as the vet? If showing signs of EPM, I, I like to perform the blood test as well as the spinal, ta spinal tap as well. Um, I have a certain... Um, laboratory that I like to use in those cases, and I typically only prescribe uh, products that are FDA approved for EPM. Um, okay. That being said, I will tell you that in many of the show worlds, uh, there are some products like the product Marquee that's put out by Bayer, appears to have some anti-inflammatory properties as well which have nothing to do with what the, the medication is used for. And so this is another oh. right reason why people will tend to use that because it's a legal product to be used to be treating for EPM, and yet they can get anti-inflammatory properties out of it as well. So that's another reason why you see some of these products uh, may be overused out there. Now, see, that's a, i got to let you go on that, but that's yeah. a whole other can of whoop that we could open. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. I would love to have you back on to talk about that because – that people are using these medications even in the race world from what I've been yeah. reading and, and, and using them incorrectly and, and sadly uh, there's always you know crooked people in every sport so maybe we can get you back on to talk about that I would love to do it oh Dr. Figaro it's been a pleasure having you on it's been so interesting listening to you I, I, I feel lucky the people the people that work with you are really lucky because they get to learn very learn a lot well, thank you very much. Happy to do it and be happy to do it again. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Sorry, I didn't even know. Like, I, did, I didn't even ask him where to go to learn more. I didn't even ask him what his website was. I, I got stressed. He was supposed to leave at 630. Jennifer, you had me a nervous wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. As promised, you can find Dr. Fugaro at mountainpoint.com. You can listen to Horses in the Morning every weekday at horsesinthemorning.com, or even better, you can go to your app store for Android or iPhone and download the free Horse Radio Network app and have all of your favorite shows with you wherever you go. Just search Horse Radio Network in your app store. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy. This podcast has been made possible through the generous support of Kentucky Performance Products and listeners like you. To learn more about becoming an official auditor and qualifying for cool auditor-only perks, go to horsetipdaily.com and click on the Become an Auditor banner in the center of the page. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.